Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Thank you and welcome to my show, my monthly show, Renewal at 50 Plus, where I interview a special guest to help you live your best life and have your best career at 50 plus. And today we're talking about one of my all out favorite topics, which is personal branding. And we have an extraordinary guest as well. And before I introduce our guest, I just wanna share a few thoughts with you on personal branding. As somebody who has reinvented herself at least 50, I was gonna say 50, <laughs> no, five times and counting, I have found that personal branding has been so essential for my career pivots. And when you join and anybody who's joined now, take a moment and just introduce yourself in the chat and tell us where you're from and who you are. And I'm Wendy Marks, your host for today. I'm a personal branding and marketing coach, and I'm passionate about helping professionals 50 plus gain more credibility, visibility, and ultimately more career opportunities. And what I found with personal branding is that every year it seems to become more and more essential. If you think back to our parents' generation where somebody worked for a company for life, retired with the proverbial gold watch, they didn't really need a personal brand because there was so much company loyalty, while today people leave a company after only a few years. And your career today is not in a company's hands, it's in your own hands. And that makes having a personal brand even more essential. Our guest today, William Aruda, knows more about personal branding than anybody on the planet. And he had the foresight to pioneer personal branding when it was probably just a blip, not even a blip on the screen. No one really was talking about it. But William realized that it really had legs and would mean something over time, if not then. William is an entrepreneur. He's a motivational speaker, a best-selling author. His coaching uh, he's developed a coaching uh, service where he's trained at least a thousand, if not more, coaches in personal branding and a special sauce regarding that. He's also been privileged to work with and companies have been privileged to work with him uh, around the world, many of the most revered brands. And he's also co-founder of Career Blast TV, an online learning platform, and also CEO of his company, Reach, that serves corporations, helping them with personal branding and digital branding. So it's my sincere privilege to welcome my friend and an all-around great guy, William Aruda. Uh. So welcome, William. Wendy, thank you. It's such a, a lovely introduction. I appreciate it. And I'm delighted to connect with you and, and everyone else. Oh, well, so, so glad that you're here. 
and we're going to have this delightful conversation. And I thought, William, what we would start with is talking about what personal branding is. And I think people have so many misconceptions about what it's about. Uh, Hey, Lynn, welcome. Glad to see you. And what I thought we could do is spell out for the audience what personal branding is all about and what it's not alternatively. So maybe you can begin talking about that. Yeah. So, you know, personal branding, I think, is the, the world's uh, it, it's the secret way to get what you want in life by being your best self. And uh, I, I think your brand is your unique promise of value, right? Unique because it sets you apart from everybody who does what you do. It's a promise because you commit to delivering and, and you deliver on that promise regularly. And it has value to the people who are making decisions about you. So if you really look at the intersection of those three elements, that's where you'll find your brand. And it, it's permission to be your best self. And I think that's the, the exciting thing. The, the world of work used to be about conformity, right? This is how we do things here. You are the IBM person or, or whatever company you worked for. Uh, today, the value delivered to your organization is not conformity. It's bringing a unique ingredient that's not available from anyone else. That's what's going to deliver innovation and uh, companies that can't innovate will just go out of business. So I think we're living in the absolute best time because we have this opportunity to really connect who we are with what we do and how we do it. Yes, I really like that, uh, William, and especially the emphasis on the fact that we it's not about conformity, it's living our best selves. And Somebody said to me today, which I thought was interesting, is unfortunately today, people sometimes still think they're in high school. <laughs> they want to, everybody wants to fit in and act the same when in fact that diminishes your personal brand. The other thing I found, and you probably have too, is that people have a lot of misconceptions about personal branding. In fact, I've had people say to me, what do I need a personal brand for? I couldn't care less about personal branding. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah. And, and again, I, I think it's because people think personal branding is being Kim Kardashian and, uh, you know, having 8 million followers <laughs> and having people look at you and boasting and sending 700 tweets a day. Uh, personal branding, really, it, it's not about any of that. It's about the way you deliver value to others, but delivering it in a way that's authentic. It, it's the opportunity to be in line with your values and your passions and and, and the things that make you you. So I, I, you do need a brand because um, unless you have a job where there's not anyone else who competes for that job and, and the only person who comes to mind is the Queen of England. So if, 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 if the Queen of England, um, if, if your majesty is on the line, you don't need to worry about personal branding. <laughs> but pretty much everybody else, um, there are other people who do what you do. What's going to make somebody choose you? And, and what's going to get you the plum assignments and the, the opportunities for growth and the opportunities for those really exciting uh, jobs that you want to pursue? What's going to do that is you standing out from the rest of the pack. And, and that standing out and being willing to make that, that differentiation visible is personal branding. Whether you want to call it that or not, that's what it is. And I think, though, uh, yes, that makes a lot of sense, William. Have you found, though, that 
especially older people, are they're not willing to package themselves. And I think you really have to do that to have an effective personal brand. They think that their credentials, what they've accomplished speaks for itself. Yeah, I think. And you know why? Because as you were pointing out earlier in your introduction, and you really didn't need to do that in the past. When you worked for a company for your entire career, the company kind of managed your career for you. Um, there weren't you pretty much moved in a in a linear fashion. You couldn't go do all kinds of different things if you wanted to. It was very structured. It was also a, a lot easier in some ways in that you didn't have to manage your brand. Uh, but today you do, and and as you say, you need to be able to package and communicate the value that you deliver. But it's not, this is the big thing. Everyone thinks it's all about, check the, let me tell everyone how great I am. And, uh, and that feels uncomfortable. And, um, and that's, and that's fine that it feels uncomfortable. Uh, it, it's more show than tell. There's the tell component, right? If people don't know who you are, then you're never going to get the opportunities that you need. Um, but there's a lot of it is show. If you demonstrate your brand every day and everything you do and the way you do it, then over time, people start to know exactly what you're about what sets you apart from everyone else, what your superpowers are, what you do better than anyone else. Um, and they're able to communicate it on your behalf. So you need to c combine the tell piece and the show piece to be able to, to really uh, fulfill your, your brand promise. Yes. And too many people, I think, misinterpret personal branding as all about the telling. They don't realize it's the show piece. They think it's all about self-promotion. It was interesting, William. I had the privilege of a while back, um, I think it was last year, interviewing Tom Peters. Mm. And he was telling me that so many people, and for those who don't know Tom Peters wrote in search of excellence and has been a, a marketing uh, personal brand himself and came to fame also because he wrote uh, in the 90s a article for Fast Company that really kicked off the personal branding movement. And he said to me that people misinterpreted that article because Unfortunately, people came away from it, and it was called The Brand Called You, thinking personal branding was all about self-promotion, when it's actually the opposite of that, as William was saying, it's adding value, it's showing what you can do, and helping people. It's really about being a giver, and unfortunately, people sometimes misinterpret it as being a taker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and by the way, I owe so much to Tom Peters and I, I've told him this myself. If he didn't write that article and I didn't read it, it was July 1997. I was working uh, in Boston. I happened to pick up the magazine from my assistant's desk. I read the article and put it down and said, I am going to start the first ever personal branding company. I was so uh, connected and I could read what he was saying was that it, it is about you know, authenticity and delivering value. It's not about spin or trying to convince people of, of, of things that aren't true. So, um, however, if you remember the cover, it was like a box of Tide, right? And so it looked like it was, you know, all about promotion and sizzle and, and that kind of thing. But nonetheless, you know, I read that, I knew what it was about and I, and I embarked on that. Um, I think it, it's, it's, um, when you think of personal branding the way you and I and, and the way Tom Peters thinks of it, it it's really freeing be, because it, it does mean that we, you know, we don't have to try to convince people of something that's not true. We get to be our best selves. 
every day. We just have to commit to doing that and to doing it in service of others in, in, in supporting the people who are making decisions about us and in, in delivering value every single day. And I think if you, if you wear that mindset, all of the, 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 the ugly feeling stuff that goes with personal branding goes away because it's just not related or connected to that. Yes, that is uh, really important that it's about being our authentic selves and not putting on airs or acting like what we're not. Maybe we could talk a little bit about LinkedIn because I have some pet peeves that I'm sure you do too about the way people use LinkedIn for their personal brand. Or maybe I should say don't use it for their personal brand. Yeah. Well, can I tell you? So, um, so now we're talking about all my heroes. So, so Tom Peters couldn't love him more because I would not have, I, this is my 20th anniversary of, uh, of personal branding. And I, and literally I would not have this were it not for that article from Tom Peters. And when I started in personal branding, nobody knew what it was and nobody wanted to buy it and nobody believed that they needed it. And in 2003, two years after I started my, my company, uh, LinkedIn launched. And that was when the light bulb started going off in people's heads is, is, oh my gosh, I need to, you know, start to market my brand, start to get my brand out there. So I am forever in, in, in LinkedIn's debt as well, because that was one of the major milestones in the world of personal branding. And you're right. Most people don't. So, so by the way, a lot of people are still stuck in 2003 and have that mindset that LinkedIn is the place you go when you're looking for a job and that's it. Uh, LinkedIn has, there are 183 additional features that LinkedIn has added that have nothing to do with finding a job. They have to do with doing your job better, with connecting with people and building relationships, with being able to, um, to sell business to others, being able to build partnerships, being able to learn and grow uh, with LinkedIn learning, uh, being able to convey your value through the LinkedIn blog where you're delivering value to others. So there are all these features and if you use them the right way, it's an incredibly powerful tool. And today, now that we've moved into this all virtual, all the time world, LinkedIn is your first impression. Your LinkedIn about will be the most read version of your bio. So the great news is if you just create an amazing LinkedIn about, then you can get people to connect with you, right? Uh, most people are not writing really good LinkedIn about, so you can really stand out just by having one that's authentic and compelling and engaging um, and emotionally connective with the people who are looking to learn about you. And I find, William, that unfortunately, people in that about statement, they don't talk about themselves in a way that's engaging. They're still, as you were saying, stuck in 2003, and they talk about themselves as if LinkedIn is their resume. Yeah. And I had one client, she was so insistent that she had to talk about herself in the third person, that talking about herself in the first person wasn't professional. And I just think for some reason, LinkedIn, and maybe it's just the older demographic, I don't know, but people don't understand that LinkedIn is social media. It's a chance to be engaging. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what? Uh, so first of all, uh, uh, most people don't even have a LinkedIn about. They didn't complete it at all. 
yet it, it's it's the, the most powerful statement in your entire profile. So that's a big mistake. The second mistake people make is they write in the third person. Uh, writing in the third person is really disingenuous. Everyone knows you've written your own LinkedIn about. So when you're writing about yourself in the third person, it, it just seems a little weird. And it misses this incredible opportunity. When you write about yourself in the first person, you're setting up a conversation between you and the reader. And it's almost like you're having a conversation. So it's easier for people to get to know you. So uh, the, it has evolved. You know, Two books ago, um, I wrote a book with the amazing Deb Dib called Ditch Dare Do. And in there, um, you know, we, we were writing the book, Deb and I together. And I said, you know, it should be the first person. And here's why. And Deb's like, yeah, that's a really good idea. But let me tell you why I think it should be the third person. And, and, and I was like, yep, that's a really good idea, too. And so we put both. We said you, back then, and that was eight years ago, I think, when that book came out, we said either is fine. Today, in 2021, first person, person is essential. And, and let me tell you one other really important thing that people get wrong in their LinkedIn about. When someone goes to your LinkedIn profile, uh, they don't get your entire about. They just get the first two or three lines. Mm -hmm. So those first two or three lines, they need to be exciting or compelling or provocative or interesting. They need to make someone click see more to read about you. Most people put in those first two lines the exact same thing they put in their headline. You know, product manager at such and such a company, you know, managing team of 40 people or whatever it is. What you need to do is is get me intrigued. You need to create some interest so that I will I will click see more, and then you can create the bridge right from that provocative statement to what you do today. So, um, I, I we could do this entire show just on your yeah. LinkedIn about. That's how how, <laughs> how much I have to say about it. <laughs> yes, that's a real and excellent point about that. Uh, about statement that uh, it doesn't show your full about unless you click see more. I'm just going to add one other pet peeve before we move on. <laughs> and, and that's about people who have on their profile, LinkedIn lets you say, open to be hired or open to a job. So you look at their profile and all you see is that they need a job, right? You're not seeing who they're what they're about or who they are. And there's nothing wrong, I don't think, with saying somewhere in your profile that you're seeking a new opportunity, but I want to stick it right on your face like that. What do you think about that? Yeah. You, you know what? Here's what we know uh, when it comes to recruiters and hiring managers. They prefer the already employed. Um, yes. So it, it's harder to find a job if you don't have one, right, when you're available than to be plucked out of a company where you already have one. And and so that sounds a little scary, right, because a lot of people are, you know, that, that's just what happens today is we don't have the security that we had uh, years ago. The good news is you're still doing stuff and you're doing stuff that's interesting. And it may not be that you're working for a particular employer, but you're working on something, whatever it is. And that's interesting. And, and so, yeah, I, I say lead with what you're passionate about and what you do and, and what you've accomplished and, and what you'd like to do. And, 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 and then, you know, the, the fact that you're open to opportunities pursuing, you know, looking at what the next big, big uh, step is for you. That's great. But when you lead with it, you're, you're, you're putting yourself on the back foot. And I think that's, um, it, it's going to get in the way, right? I, I think um, just because we know what we know about recruiters, get me excited about you and then say, and by the way, um, you know what? I'm, I'm available to, for, for something that would be really ideal for me. 
And that's, uh, I think that's something to underscore that you really want to get people excited about you and saying that you're open for a new job or open for work isn't a reason for people to be excited. Maybe we can talk, and I know there was a lot of interest uh, on LinkedIn, actually, about how COVID has changed everything in terms of your personal brand. What have you found is different now? Well, so it it, it has completely changed everything about personal branding. And and I'll I'll tell you an interesting story. So my last book is called Digital You, and it's about, and, and I wrote the book, with this idea that someday in the future, your entire life will move online. Um, and it came out in November uh, and March COVID hit. And essentially yeah, I thought it was going to be this slow process of your life moving online. And really it was a flip of a switch and your entire life, life has moved online. Right. And today uh, most people are working virtually. And even when COVID is behind us, you will be working with some people who will be virtual and you will likely be virtual part of the time. And, and that change from real to virtual is really important because the way we build our brand is different. Right now, people are interacting with us on a two-dimensional screen on the exact same device that has every single piece of work and their Facebook feed and everything else on it. So, so it's really, you have to be twice as engaging and twice as human to be able to create the emotional and visceral connection you could with somebody in the real world. Right, so you need to approach your brand really differently in the virtual world, and this is this spells opportunity. Most people do not get virtual branding right, um, and that is great news for anyone who wants to put a little bit of work into it to get it right, uh, so that they are engaging and interesting. They are having your LinkedIn in the first person, so that people are able to have a conversation with you. Um, making what you do online, if you're in meetings, right making those meetings so riveting that people don't want to multitask, right? Oh, that I'll just listen to the speaker and, and multitask. What we know about multitasking is um, only 2.5% of people in the world have their brains wired such that they can multitask. So we, 100% of people think they can multitask, right? And, and so we, we think, oh, I'll just listen and, and let me just get this email out. And neither of those tasks end up happening very well. So if, if you really get to master this new virtual world, you will be the world's like most ideal candidate for any role, and, and you will be building your brand in a really powerful way. You'll stand out from others. That's uh, what I found as well, that in this new world, so much of what's happening, even even being hired for a job. Your friend of mine was recently got a new job. She never actually met the people she was working with except on Zoom. Yeah. So you need to figure out how to convey not only your skills and talents, but also your personality on a Zoom type of call. And it requires some additional skills than we're used to having. It's easier in some respects when you're in person with somebody. Uh, It's hard to sometimes get the feedback from other people when you're uh, on a Zoom type of call. Yeah. And and let's face it, we're we're comfortable. We spent our whole lives being in rooms with others, right? From from kindergarten, we we know how to socialize that way. 
and this is harder. And we're, we're on a two-dimensional screen that zaps the humanity and the energy and the emotion, right? The, the screen is a scrim that really dilutes the potency of your communication and your connection with others. So the good news is that you can learn to master it. You can, there are simple things you can do. I, I cannot believe we are, we are two years into COVID almost, right? And people still don't have their, their, their setup right. You know, they're, they're, they're talking from down here or that they're, they're looking um, over here because that's where the person's face is or, or their background, you know, is, is an open closet with, with you know, sweaters tumbling off shelves. And so, I mean, there are some basic things that can show that you're, you've got the savvy and it's not that hard to do, right? And then you want to take it up a notch, right? How do I keep people engaged? How do I check in with people? You have to double up on the humanity, right? Because people are feeling um, uh, uncomfortable and stressed and overworked, and they're not getting that human connection. You can't just walk into the person in the next office and vent about about a problem or an email that you just had, right? It, it, it's just a, um, this new environment is different. So, so being that person that reaches out to people and acknowledges them and um, takes the time to have the human banter uh, in, in meetings really starts to show that you understand what's going on in this new virtual uh, world and that you can master it. And I think uh, it, it, you were talking about getting a job, right? Your interviews are going to be like this, right? And you can really stand out in an interview when you know not everyone has mastered that. So, you know, making sure the audio is great, making sure the light is coming at you, just simple, simple things can can show people that you know what you're you're really polished you get what's going on this is the new world and you're perfectly poised to be in it yes it's uh definitely uh uh good to know that you don't have to learn a whole new litany of skills but they're just a few things to do to up your game and i think networking has also changed because now you were few of us are going to networking in person type events. A lot of it is done online. And have you found that you need to network in a different way, or do you find that it's still pretty much the same? Uh, you know what? I, I actually here's the thing I think about networking. I think networking is one of the things that um, people are breathing a sigh of relief over because you talk to most people and they hate networking. They don't like to go to to this event and stand there with the hello, my name is sticker and go up to people they don't know. And it just for a lot of people, it doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, it's much easier, actually, to do in the virtual world. And sometimes you don't even have to connect with someone this way. When you start your networking, someone writes a great article. You love that article. You, you share the passion and their point of view. You can reach out to them, and say, hey, I really love that article you wrote. And you start this conversation in, in what seems like a much more organic way than this forced thing that here I am in the room now, I got to make sure my handshake is right. And, um, and you, don't, you don't have to worry about that. So I, I think that it's, it's opened more doors and I think it gives people more permission to talk to more people than they otherwise would. So I, I think networking in the virtual world, by the way, I, I still think it's great to meet people. I, I'm a people person and <laughs> my life used to be public speaking on the road every week until COVID hit, right? And I miss that like you cannot imagine, right? I, I, and so I, I still think we need that opportunity to have human connection, but it's great to be able to meet people online, no matter where they live in the world, and then have that meeting happen sometime in the future. 
right? And by then we've already built, we, we, we're not going to have that awkward, uncomfortable, you know, oh, what do I say? How do I introduce myself? What's my elevator pitch? Um, that, that part's already gone by. And, and so, so maybe eventually relationships will be more meaningful when we can start online and then move to the real world. Have you found um, that in some ways you were saying it is easier uh, now that most networking is done online? Do you also find that people are more receptive to you today uh, than they were maybe, you know, pre-COVID? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I feel like there are people, so, someone told me a story the other day about, you know, that there's kind of a, I, I won't men- mention the person's name, but someone we know in common I, um, and they say, oh, she's untouchable. You know, she's just such a big star. And um, I could never talk to her kind of thing. And online um, created a connection. And now they, they, you know, they chat back and forth about things. And, and I think it would have been much harder to do that in person. So I do think there are opportunities. And it's also, we don't feel rejected, right? We, we send a note to someone, hey, we loved your article. I'm passionate about it too. If they don't respond, we're not like, oh, God, that's really sad. But if you if you go up and talk to somebody and they kind of brush you off at a meeting, that's going to pierce your ego a little bit and make it feel not so good. So, so yeah, I think um, I think I think that people are a little bit more receptive. I also think there's a, a humanity deficit that's happening right now. We're we're, we're missing that that w- what we used to feed our souls with with being around human beings and in the same physical environment and space and. Um, so I, I do think that people are more open to, you know, uh, um, to, to, to kind of fill to that void with, with connection. So, um, yeah, it, it's a, I'm hoping that there's some, some really amazing researchers looking at this right now and understanding kind of how, how, how this all works. One, one of the things I heard from a, a researcher, uh, she's out at Pepperdine. She was telling me that, um, the the being on zoom all day creates a fight or flight um mm. uh scenario in you because your world all of a sudden you're like your world is this big and and um it it starts to to feel like really scary to you and and that's why people are feeling you know they call it zoom fatigue but it's zoom overload and these things that are really kind of stressing us out so I mean, there are definitely a lot of negative elements to, to living our lives online and we'll hopefully be able to get around them. But I think that somebody needs to kind of understand them and find ways that we can, you know, that we're, where we don't have to uh, have these negative feelings with, you know, our work that now just happens on a two-dimensional screen. Yeah, that would be super. Hopefully some researcher will hear this and uh, say, I have to look into that. Uh, William, have you found that there's a certain mindset that really destroys personal branding, the, the wrong mindset to have? And what? And alternatively, what do you find is the right mindset? Yeah, well, you brought up the wrong mindset earlier, which is um, my work speaks for itself. Uh, it really doesn't. Uh, in fact, in fact, we know, and there's research that says this. You know. Um, women often fall into this women work incredibly hard they deliver amazing results um and they don't tout them and in fact um th- there was a study that was done I, I think i read it in the harvard business review um where um uh women will just kind of like oh i've done that i completed it it was great and i move on to the next thing a man will do it kind of um, you know i don't want to pick on all men but i'll i'll i'll, I'll just 
um, own this for a little bit. They'll, they'll be like, yeah, that was, I did a pretty good job. Let me tell the whole world that I just completed that thing. And, and I think, um, and I, I think there are lots of people who, who think that, you know, good work speaks for itself. The bad news is people are busy. People aren't paying attention to every single thing that you've done and, and acknowledging it. So being able to talk about it in a way, not about, hey, look what I did and I'm pretty amazing and boy, am I a good leader and boy, I led that project in a great way. But talk about what you did in terms of the results you delivered, right? So, you know, I'm so proud to have led this incredible team uh, and, and we were able to save our client $150,000 a year with that project boy, do I feel accomplished and I could never have done it without this amazing team that I work with. Right. And so being able to talk about your accomplishments and like that, um, it's a great way for people to see the results that you deliver. Right. And to keep, to keep yourself and, you know, your ego out of it. Right. Not like, look at me, boy, who else could lead a team like that to deliver that? Um, so, so I, I think that that mindset that your work speaks for itself needs to go away. I, I think the second mindset is that, um, personal branding is hard, right? There are lots of people that they think they need to be Justin Bieber or, or Kim Kardashian and tweeting every, every two minutes. And, um, you really don't, uh, in fact, the, I think the best friend to people who are a little bit skittish about, uh, being out there is curating, right? You read content all day, right? Fast company is one of my favorite publications. Everyone has a publication that they like. When you find something that, that you find valuable, that you think the people that you want to influence would find valuable, just sharing that and adding your point of view doesn't take a lot of time. You're reading the article for yourself anyway, and you're giving value to someone who may not have seen it. That's a great way to, um, to build your brand without it taking over your life. So um, I, I think those are a couple of the misconceptions. The biggest one is that branding is about trying to convince people of something that's not true. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell everyone that I'm this uh, because that's exhausting. You know, Anne Morrow Lindbergh said the most exhausting thing you can be is inauthentic. Um, just, just talk to the people on Broadway who have to play somebody, you know, seven times a week. That's exhausting. Um, but if you're being yourself, that's when you can be your absolute. Uh, you know, you, you can really stand out and and deliver some value. So this idea that you know, branding is spin or trying to convince people of something that that's not true. That that's the biggest one. And it's been there from day one and, um, it's not going away soon. So, uh, but I'm, I'm on a mission. I'm going to change as many minds as I can. Well, I'm right, right along with you. And it is ironic that people think that it's not enough to be yourself, that somehow they have to create a whole persona that's not real. And you're right. We're not all. We're not on Broadway. We're not playing a role. We're being ourselves, and that's the way we can be successful. Yeah, and you know, I think we are. See, the problem is we're taught this. We we are taught from a very young age that the path to success is paved with fixing weaknesses. So we focus a lot on the what's wrong with us, and not on the what's amazing about us, right? Because we think if we just fix all of our weaknesses, boy, we'll be incredible. And what, what personal branding is about, it's about taking the stuff that makes you great, your superpowers, the things that you do better than anyone else, often the things that you do so easily that you don't even give yourself credit for it because even though it's hard for other people, it's just natural to you, right? And when you, when you take those superpowers and you maximize them, you become known by them and people start using superlatives to describe you. 
based on who you really are, right? Not trying to convince people of something that's not true. So I, I do think that a lot of this, it, it's mindsets and habits that are adopted from a very early age, excuse me, that we have to kind of get rid of. One thing that I found, and tell me if you agree, William, is that you don't have to, and none of us are, are of course, perfect. And showing a little vulnerability makes you more authentic, makes you more human, and one, and it also opens you up so people want to engage with you. Have you found that also? I, absolutely. You, you know, um, people want to work with people they know, like, and trust. Trust comes from authenticity and, and, and you know, your, your valid accomplishments, right? Likeable. People are, are not likable if they're fake. They're not likable if they're, they seem perfect and, and you never really get to pierce and understand what they're about, right? The vulnerability piece, just being open to, gosh, I, I mean, I, I probably spend 80% of my time talking about my failures and the crazy, crazy stuff that I've, uh, that I've really never should have pursued, but I, I, I thought they might be a good idea. Um, and, and I, and I think people can relate to that. And so, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, vulnerability for leaders right now, um, is one of the most important uh, things for them to be doing with their team. Now that we're in this really weird time that we're living in, right. There's so much craziness happening in the world and, you know, we're living or we still don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty. So, so just being vulnerable and being really human is, is probably the most valuable trait for leaders right now. Oh, that's really interesting. I uh, I learned something, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, well, and and you can see it. You you can if you pay attention, you you can see leaders that are really just you know putting it out there, and um, and also you know being you know spending more time getting to know their people than they used to, and and I think it's another one of those little good things that have come out of uh, you know the, the tragedies around COVID. William, maybe before we uh, sign off, you could give, and you've already generously shared some, but maybe what you found is a, the most important tip that people can use to buttress their personal brand today. Yeah, well, you know, the, the actually the most important thing they can do is uncover their personal brand, right? Because I, I think most people, they, they get stuck because they don't know what to communicate because they're not really clear about who they are. So I, I tell everyone self-reflection and talking to others uh, about you, um, and in particular, your values, your passions, your differentiators, your superpowers, your purpose, and your goals. Those are the six drivers of your personal brand. Just spending a little bit of time being self-reflective and asking other people what they think. What do you think of my top five values? What do you think of the things that I'm best at? Um, and, and getting some feedback and, and doing some discussion so that you can kind of distill this into your unique promise of value, right? What separates you from others? I think a lot of people, uh, they get stuck. They can't write their bio because they don't know what differentiates them from others. They can't, they, they, they don't know what to share online and social media because they, they aren't connected to their passions or, or clear about their purpose. So doing that background work um, is important. There are a lot of people, by the way. So when I started personal with personal branding, there were five of us doing it, four people and me. And two years later, there was just me because there was no business in personal branding. And they went off and did something that made them money. And I just, you know, went into debt. And, and what, what I learned 
in in personal branding um, back then is how important the first phase is in uncovering your brand. What happened is when personal branding started to take off, all these people started doing personal branding, but they didn't start there. They started at the being visible part, but without being clear about what you're communicating. So there are a lot of people who help you build your LinkedIn profile and help you, but they have no idea what, like, what's the message? Who are you talking to? What is it you want to do? What, what makes you great? And so there's, there's kind of a misalignment between what's being communicated and what's real. So I think that, you know, taking that step back and saying, who am I? What's important to me? What do I really want? What do I really think makes me exceptional? Uh, that's going to give you the fuel that you need and everything after that's easy. Yes, I was just, uh, that. that is uh, certainly essential that, and it's true that there's so many people out there that are focused on the tactics and they forget about the fact that it begins with you and who you are. We do have a few questions. One is, um, the LinkedIn creator function. Alan uh, Gossenhauser asked about that. And what have you found about that creator uh, function, William? Yeah, creator mode is fantastic because uh, two things happen, by the way. Um, in your profile, when you're in creator mode, right, you, you use the hashtags for the things that you speak about. So instantly you're associated with the words that you want to be associated with. And I think we don't know this, but I'm thinking it's going to help with search when people are searching on those terms um, because you're in creator mode and you have those hashtags associated with your profile, not necessarily with the things that you publish. I think that it will likely um, get you a higher ranking. I don't know that. No one knows the algorithm, but that's I feel like that might be happening. The second thing that happens is it shows how many followers you have. Um, so. It's really good to, to, to show people, hey, look, I'm connected and I'm talking to people and these are the topics that I care about. So, so I think it's really great and it makes you choose, right? So it makes you say, if these are the things that I talk about, then what I'm sharing needs to be about that. What I'm commenting on needs to be about that. What I'm curating needs to be about that, right? And then people start to know what you're about, what you're passionate about, what your point of view is and so forth. So I'm a big fan of creator mode and I'm a bigger fan, by the way, of the new cover story where you're able to create a little video that sits behind your headshot. Now, it hasn't rolled out to everybody yet, but it will. And when it does, it's your opportunity to use 30 seconds to engage with people using a complete communication in video instead of just the words that are in your about. One thing, uh, one quibble I have with creator mode, and maybe you've worked around it, is that I initially set it up and then I wanted to edit some of the things that I'm talking about and the order of them. And I was stuck. It wouldn't let me change the order of it. Uh, so the order, I'm not sure about. I know that you can change them and you can add to them because I've done that. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm not sure about the order. And, you know, and, and by the way, tomorrow it could it could operate completely differently. LinkedIn makes a lot of little changes that they don't tell us about. And then all of a sudden something's different from how it was the day before. So you might want to try it again. All right. I will, I will definitely do that. Um, somebody else had a question, how you work with ageism and your personal brand. And I'll take a stab at that because I work with a lot of people who are facing ageism. And what I find is that a personal brand, while it's important for everybody at any age, it's especially important for older individuals because just 
uh, depending on your credentials and what you've been. No one cares about that. They want to care about what you're doing currently. And you need to have a robust personal brand that emphasizes your special skills and where you can add value and focusing on that now. Uh, what I find, and it doesn't help uh, older workers, is that they're so focused not only on what they did, but their titles and talking about what they did as opposed to what William was saying earlier, focusing on results and accomplishments. And that makes people care about what you have done. So that personal branding is very key. It's not going to eliminate ageism, but at least it gives you a fighting chance. So I hope I answered the question. You want yeah, to add I, anything? I do. I, I just want to add this point about relevance. The, the, I think a lot of ageism is, is, is less about the number of years you lived and more about whether or not you're, you're, you're up on what's happening today and what's going to be happening tomorrow. So I think that when, uh, when and I'm a boomer, so, so I can say this, when you, you need to lead with the stuff that that shows that you're innovative, that you're on top of of what's happening. If if you if you don't have a completed LinkedIn profile, it's saying hmm, there's something going on here. But when when you can show that you're relevant, then I think the age thing goes away a little bit. Uh, it, it a lot of it has to do with attitude and spirit, um, and less so than the number of years. So so you know, I would say don't get hung up on it and just demonstrate that. You, I mean, you're on top of what's happening. And, and you're, you're able to innovate. You're delivering things differently today because you're taking advantage of technology and the environment that we're living in. Yes, I'm glad you added that, William. The other thing also that it, that just made me think of is what I find is that some older professionals, they have such a long LinkedIn. They're back to 1985 or something. And no one really cares about that. All it does is highlight the fact that you're uh, old. And of course, I'm proud of being old. But unfortunately, there is age discrimination. And again, people want to know what you're doing now. They don't care that you had some assistant manager's job 30 years ago. So Totally eliminate that from your LinkedIn. And I suggest that people only have the last, say, 15 years or so. Uh, we have another question. I'm not quite sure I understood it from Alan. He's saying that he has over 8,000 followers. Uh, and he wanted to know if creator mode will take my prior blogs into account. I think is what he's asking. Uh, he just saw creator mode when I guess he got on LinkedIn. And he wanted to know something about it, taking into account his prior uh, his prior blogs. Yeah, I, and I, the answer is I don't know the answer to that. However, if, with your prior blogs, I'm assuming that you're using the same hashtags that you're using in creator mode. And what, what we know that LinkedIn is doing now is that not only will your 8,000 followers see, so, so they're not going to republish stuff that you've published. You can reshare that content, right? In fact, I, I go in often and update blogs that I've written, and then I'll republish them. And then um, it will show up in, in the feed of your followers and your, your connections. 
but here's the exciting thing that's happening now is you publish something and this may only be with something new. It's using certain hashtags that you want to be associated with. Uh, LinkedIn knows who's interested in those hashtags and they may not be first or second level connections of, of yours, which means they wouldn't normally see what you publish. But LinkedIn is saying, we want people's feeds to be relevant. So we know this person who's a fifth level connection of Alan um, is really interested in this topic. So we're going to make it visible uh, to this person now as well. So it starts to expand your visibility um, uh, with people who might then become part of your network. And I think that's one of the valuable things. And again, uh, there's so much a secret at, at LinkedIn. We don't know exactly how everything works, but that's kind of what uh, the, the going uh, thoughts are around that. I think that pretty much covers the the questions that people had. Uh, William, are you willing uh, to um, share your LinkedIn uh, or your uh, email in the chat? Sure. Uh. Um, and I'll uh, share my email as well. One second. Now, see, hmm. My what, I can, what I can do, uh, William, I'll just add it afterwards. Uh, I can, uh, the chat will be up on LinkedIn and I can, should be able to add it. Okay, because that would not let me add it, but um, I did send it to you in private chat. That's my, uh, LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. I, I, I read my messages every single day. All right, well, uh, that's great. Well, I want to thank William. You were a fantastic guest. I want to thank our audience. As I mentioned, there will be a replay. I also turn this into a podcast called uh, Renewal at 50 Plus. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to uh, check that out. Now, when I do the replay, I'll post the podcast link as well. And in uh Four weeks from today, we're going to have another terrific guest, and I'll be posting about that on LinkedIn. And I want to urge everybody to create a and continue to create a vibrant personal brand to always move forward, never get stuck in place, and renew with gusto. Thank you so much, and thank you, William. Thanks, Wendy. Bye, everyone. Bye now.